Hello and welcome to TFT Talk, the podcast where we talk about all things TFT. Finally get to see what everybody's reaction was. I think that's like the best part. Like, uh, not, not to shade my parents. I love you, mom. I know you listen to this. I'm going to say this and we can talk about this because it's a very controversial idea, but I think that there is permanent damage on my neck that I will never be able to undo. It's everyone's favorite director, Nico Castro. And I'm everyone's favorite New Yorker, Zoe Berkeley. I'm the palest South Floridian, Michael Garashi. And I'm the Taylor Swift loving Miami girls, Juliana Simone. Hi, how are you guys doing? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. How are you? I'm okay. <laughs> we are setting on the precipice of change today at the inauguration. Ah, ah. Good happy last day of Trump. Woo-hoo! Happy last day of Trump. We have the recording on the 19th. The inauguration is tomorrow and we are very excited. But I will admit, I am kind of nervous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think <laughs> I think a lot of people are very nervous. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that we can do to ease our nerves is talk about theater. So <laughs> let's go ahead and do that. And do a podcast, you know. <laughs> and do a podcast. <laughs> so the way that we get like to, I see I can't say this little intro anymore because Zoe pointed out that I say it on every episode and now I can't do it anymore I can do it I can do it no, no like I want to it's just I hear it now and I'm like fuck anyway it's I think because you've said it on the first five episodes you kind of have to I know now I have to do it okay. I'm exa- I think you should do it <sighs> anyway so the way that we like to start our podcast is like we have to <laughs> shut up Zoe <laughs> I told it's it's usually not I just feel like I'm in a really jokey mood today and I have no idea why it's probably because I missed my GE this morning and was late to Tai Chi so she just doesn't care right now the energy anyway. having a bad day <laughs> so the Sorry. way that we like to start every episode is by asking our guests why do you do what you do and we know that's a super super vague question and what we mean by that is really like why do you do what you do in theater so why don't you kind of just start by telling us what you do in theater and then why you do it I'm in acting and I actually started with New School Theater, Um, but I think my reasoning for doing theater has changed over the years because I started when I was like six. So before it was just like an escape for me just to like play around backstage and, uh, you know, goof around, do whatever I wanted. And then as I got older, I think I started appreciating it more and seeing why theater means so much for me. Um, And I think that's because as I've grown up um like I I think I've I've been through a lot of rejection in terms of like theater um but also just stuff in my personal life and I seem to always go to theater or go to music and film and television to learn a lesson from characters if that makes sense um and I think I love that aspect about theater and I think it's challenged me to be more open-minded and um more curious and also just uh allow for empathy and I think if I could be a part of that, that would, that would be great. If I can help somebody go through something or learn about something, that's probably um, the best thing for me. And also I think with everything going on in our society, I think we need to tell more stories that need to be heard um, in terms of representation and important issues that are going on. Um, so I would also love to be a part of that change. So I think that's why I continue to do it. And there's that beautiful word, empathy. It's come up on every single episode and it's just like like this tying theme. And I love that. And I love that you, you're saying all of this, aha. Um, so Juliana, would you say that you still think of theater as like an escapist kind of like- like A catharsis. Like yeah. Is for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think in some aspects it is, um, but, how, but even though I use it as a sort of escape, I just realize that 
everything that I'm I'm learning either when I'm watching a show or like a film or a television episode it just relates to my life so it's kind of hard to use it as an escape um in terms of like messages that I'm learning um and then I think if I'm going like if I'm doing a monologue and I have to be a character when I was younger I thought it was just escaping like the world that I was in but then as it got older I was like oh shoot like I experienced this too and like it I don't know if it's like therapy for me but it's like I'm learning something about myself and hopefully other people can learn about that as well if that makes sense yeah no that's amazing thank you for sharing that with us and Michael (laughs) oh my god what a good answer okay um that's a like a big question like why do I do theater um it's actually funny. Uh, my dad tried so hard to get me into sports, like so hard. It was not, not working out at all. I think I did like, I did football, baseball, karate, soccer, uh, I golf for like a little, it was, it just didn't work out. Like I, I didn't like it. Um, and so I was like eight, I think. And my sister was auditioning for the Florida Children's Theater. They were doing like a Christmas play and I just happened to be there and the director came out and he was like, Hey, do you want to like, do you want to audition? And I didn't know what was going on. So I said, sure. And so for a monologue, like I told a joke that like my dad would say all the time. And I sang like, I think I sing the national anthem anyways, embarrassing. Um, and I've just like, I've been doing it ever since. And I kind of was just doing it like just to do something outside of school and like make friends. And then in high school, well, in eighth grade, um, there's like a, there's a kind of like a theater school, like, her, do you know Heritage, Juliana? Yep. And I know Florida Children's Theater. My cousin did shows there. No way. Okay, wait. Why haven't we? Okay, anyways, anyways. Um, so I was doing like, I did Sweeney Todd um, and the head of the theater department came and he was like, hey, by the way, like we're doing auditions. You can get a scholarship to like go to the school. And I was like, oh my God, sweet. And I tried it out and I get, I think that's when I like started to actually like (laughs) care or like that's when like my passion like kind of like developed because I was surrounded by people who love to do what I love to do and I got to take theater classes and I got to like do acting. Oh, I'm an acting emphasis. I should have said that. Um, But (laughs) I got to act and I was like, I love this, you know, like I just, I love it. And why I love it is I like playing a character. I like telling a story. I like getting a message and putting it out into the world. And I like that being something that I'm doing, you know, like I like knowing that I'm doing that. I'm giving people that message. I'm giving inspiration to people. Yeah. And I think what Mike was saying, like um, that feeling that you get when you're taking your bow and you, and you finally like the house lights are shown in the audience and you kind of finally get to see what everybody's reaction was. I think that's like the best part. And I think like that feeling, knowing that you were a part of that, like if somebody was crying or like laughing or whatever, I think that's just it's makes so, it so much. Yeah, it's just so yeah. special. And yeah. And I knowing that, like you did it, like, I don't know, like the, people watched that and they liked it and they got something out of it. It just, it means so much. I love that too, because when I watch an interview and you say like, it's just that feeling you get when you make someone else feel something. When they say that thing, like, why do you do this? What made, what was so special about this is like, cause I made someone think something and like, I walked away and like one specific person said this one thing to me and that like changed my perspective on like my performance. And like, I don't want it to sound like, oh, everything we do in theater is because of like what someone else tells us is good about it. But it's nice to provoke thought because I think provoking thought equals provoking change. And I think that's like really important. 
Exactly, exactly. And it's so amazing to see like all this deep like love, but there's also the passion for theater and also for the passion for change and the passion for using theater to enact that change and everything. And as we're sitting here, we're talking about like our passions and everything. And obviously theater is the one that ties us all together. But what are some of like your guys's other things that you're really, really kind of just passionate about? I'm passionate about issues that um, in, in my community and in terms of getting politically engaged. Um, and something I'm, pa I'm passionate about is gun violence prevention. And that's what really started me, um, you know, focusing on what's going on in our country and also in the state of Florida and, um, you know, not sitting on the sidelines anymore and kind of and starting to make a change. Um, and I got involved with Students Demand Action for Gun Sense in America, which um, is one of the largest grassroots um, youth-led movements to end gun violence in our country. Um, that's something I'm really passionate about. And I think a lot of people, when I was there, I, I'm still involved with it, but especially during high school, um, people are like, oh, you should run for office one day, or like, you should study political science. And um, I don't know, I just, even though I, I loved it, and I still, you know, will always forever be engaged, I think I can still, like what we we're saying, I, I think we can still create a change with theater. Um, so yeah, but that's something I'm very passionate about as well. I like to advocate about mental health awareness. I think that's something that's really important, especially like in school. It's just, it's something that a lot of people overlook in high school and like a lot of like institutions just don't really think about. And so like, I, I don't know, I did a, a on, I did a butterfly release on like National Suicide Prevention Day. And like, I just tried to like, you know, let people know that you know it's okay <laughs> we're all kind of going through it especially like our generation like we're going through it it's a little rough right now and we've these last four years have been like just hell <laughs> and so like just to know that like it's okay like there's like people who are like there with you and like will motivate you so we can have empathy for like stories that do go untold and like if you guys are talking about bringing awareness in theater to let's just say like Juliana, like political activism in your community and then like bringing attention to gun violence. And then also Mike, if you wanna bring attention to like mental health, but I wanna know where you guys see that crossover with theater and like how you guys, cause I know you're both actors, but like if you'd want to ever write or direct or do something that's like telling political theater or like bringing activism to the stage or behind the screen or how you guys would wanna do that. I'm just really curious. Um, yeah, and, and actually, yes. I mean, mental health does definitely cross over with gun violence. Um, and I think, I mean, we've done this with our chapter incorporating the arts to talk about the effects of gun violence and the impacts it has on art community. We did um, a benefit concert to raise money um, for two organizations down here. Um, we've done an open mic night to raise awareness on domestic violence and, and gun violence and how um, they impact each other. Um, so that's something that me and my friends and my chapter have already done incorporating the arts into it, but I think for me, um, I mean, I think this issue is definitely very important. Um, however, I would, I don't know if I'd wanna direct it or write it. I would wanna give that platform to somebody else because gun violence does disproportionately affect um, black communities. And we don't talk about um, community violence that much. We mostly, at least in the media, it's mostly about school shootings. And yes, school shootings are, um, devastating their tragedy. I mean, we had one in South Florida and um, it definitely impacted our community. Um, however, so many voices go unheard and I would wanna give them that platform to, to talk about their experience and actually address the root issues if we can have community intervention programs 
Um, so I think I, I want to give that space to, to somebody else, maybe pass the microphone to somebody else because I haven't been directly affected by it. Um, but I think theater can do that if we can collaborate more and reach out to our communities, um, you know, do trauma-informed practices in the media in Hollywood because that doesn't happen either. Um, and survivors can get triggered um, in certain things in, in um, what we show on TV and film. Um, but yeah, I think I definitely want to collaborate in some way, um, but I don't know if it's my story to tell. Actually, at every town for gun safety, they have their own um, like committee where they meet with um, screenwriters to address like, you know, um, how to approach gun violence in TV shows or films and also theaters. Um, so that's been happening a lot more now. And I think that's something that, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy that we're starting to focus on that and focus on survivors um, and recognizing that this is, uh, it could be devastating and very triggering. Yeah, like, <laughs> um, I actually did. Uh, I was in Children's Hour. I don't know if you guys know, you know, guys know the Children's Hour. It, yeah, it deals with suicide and depression. And so we like, we actually got to like, also, I got to incorporate uh, our Hope Club into it, where I got to talk to the audience and be like, you know, like, if this is something that's triggering for you, or if this is something that, yeah. you know, you, uh, like, I needed to let them know, you know, and I, I put out like a pamphlet and everything, and I got involved with like through that um but I would love to get way more involved you know like even just like a, a benefit or something because it, it's important like this is an important issue that a lot of people are dealing with it's an incredibly important issue to talk about and everything just suicide prevention and then just mental health awareness and everything and it's like I feel like specifically just in communities of color these are just things that we just don't talk about and it's like mental health doesn't really really exist and it's like oh oh they're not depressed they just get sad sometimes or you know and like we make excuses and we sweep it under the rug so I feel like theater is just one of those things where it's like if we can bring these stories to the forefront and we can actually just openly talk about it and say hey no no, no this is a normal thing that affects like many people even in your own culture I feel like could just give such a huge perspective and like just open a lot of eyes I have a question for Michael just because I love what you said about children I mean I loved children's hour but it is a very it deals with a lot and, and I love that you incorporated your Hope Club into it because I think that is so important for also like, like in terms of like mental health representation as well. Like I also think that that's like so important. I just like wanna know like how you feel about like the way that mental health is portrayed in theater or in film and television. Like this could go for either one of you, but it's just, I just wonder because uh, there's a very, it's a sensitive subject obviously. And a lot of the time, especially like, I don't, okay, but you, we all watch 13 Reasons Why, I can assume. Um, oh, no, I just, I openly was like, that's fucking stupid. I'm not okay, watching yeah. that. Because yeah, <laughs> um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of shows and uh, like, especially, especially TV shows glorify this. They will glorify suicide. And it's, I mean, it's, it's traumatizing. It, like, this is something we shouldn't be romanticizing for money. Like, you know, it's just, it, it's infuriating, but I mean, Hopefully that's something that I can change, but I mean, it's just something that's probably going to exist for a long time. Yeah, and, and Zoe, this is such a kind of a perfect question because it really kind of segues into what I kind of wanted to talk about next. And in, in that same vein of just seeing kind of like, like dealing with mental health, gun prevention, anything, or just kind of just issues or social issues in general, are there like certain things in theater that you think that we could do better 
to kind of either either address these issues or address like maybe like Juliana was saying earlier, like the survivors of these issues or anything like that, or maybe just like even the way that we're telling these stories. I mean, I think I think what Michael was saying, I mean, about 13 Reasons Why and other, you know, TV shows, films that have tended to romanticize these issues um, is very true. Unfortunately, um, we had a suicide happen in our high school and that really impacted our class. And um, I think I think it's definitely reaching out to actual survivors who have been through um, a, a, you know, a close friend who um, died by suicide or who has been through, let's say, um, impacted by gun violence or any other issue. I think it's mostly just reaching out to survivors and making sure that their practices are trauma-informed. Um, to make sure that we don't romanticize these issues and we can actually tackle the issues. I've seen a lot, though, in, in um, some uh, TV shows at the end of the episodes or in the beginning of the episodes, they will address, um, it's like a trigger warning, but then they also provide um, resources to go to. Like I saw in The Crown, they added that. So I think that's been helpful um, to know that they're you know, respecting their audiences and, and actually saying, this is what happens in the show if you're experiencing this you know, please go here and, you know, you can have those resources. So I think that's been a good um, addition to the media, but I think there's so much more we could do. Juliana, that idea of like people's, people who whose story it is need to be telling those stories, I think is just such an important concept because that's where that line gets so blurred. It's like, when I, if I, if I, as a person not a part of that group, want to be discussing like something going on within a separate group, like I don't, I don't feel like I have the agency to do that because I'm not a part of like whatever group it is. So I, I think that this idea of like the people behind the camera I, is like really, really what needs to start changing and everything. It's like, yeah, it's important that we're talking about these issues, but we also have to really think about who is talking about these issues. And it's not that hard to just like put resources there or put a trigger word or talk about it. This isn't like everyone treats them as just this like sensitive subject that like nobody wants to talk about, but like, oh my God, like it's something that happens. We, you have to address it if you're dealing with that. It's something that's important. I was gonna say like, I love that you say like, it's, I think we, maybe as a generation, but I think our industry can have a tendency to generalize, but also like, make everything seem like it's so much harder than it is you know what I mean like it's I guess it might be easier said than done but it's like yeah like it's yeah talk about it like you know what I mean bring it to the screen where people are going to be looking at it you know and I think that's like the first step to I guess getting an audience aware of these things as well because I think that's a huge part of it too and then just being aware about like how you're talking about certain issues and everything and about making sure that you're not like glorifying or villainizing or really like doing, you know, all these certain things. Because when we're talking about like issues as big and as important as and as just impactful as these are, like you have to talk about them holistically and you have to talk about them in every respect. Because when you start cutting out certain pieces and you start picking and choosing like what parts of the story you want to tell, you're not getting the full story anymore. I completely agree with everything that you said. Um, I think in I <laughs> I think just so many thoughts jumble over my head but um I yeah and I think I think what we were saying about like reaching out to the to the people whose stories it is like making sure that they um you know recognize our stories but also you know accept that it I think they have to be um in in a space mentally to like make sure that they're ready to share whatever story they want to be told um they want shared um and I think I mean we've seen 
I mean, there's been so many movies where, I mean, I think there was even one where it was directed by a man and it was talking about um, sexual assault um, to, to women in, in, the, in the workforce. And it's like, what, what kind of story do you want to tell and who are you benefiting? Like, like, I think it's just trying to save, I mean, this doesn't pertain to like, I mean, I think it's just certain people just want to um, protect um, groups of people that don't need protecting, especially if we need to like address certain issues that need to be handled immediately. Um, like we were, I mean, there was like a play that I just read and it seemed to serve white audiences and not respect um, Hispanic communities, Latino communities. Um, so that was definitely, that is definitely a hard read, you know? Um, and I think we need to address that and, and make sure that we are telling stories for the people who, um, who need it um, and not to romanticize anything, not to like make, any, make things seem easier. You know, we need to like remember our past in order to like not repeat our mistakes. So I think it's just really just putting it out there not caring what other people say um, and making sure that, you know, people's stories are respected and honored. I was just gonna say like, like when we're talking about like respecting stories and like doing and going about it in a respectful way and everything, just do you, either of you, like, do you have any like advice that you would give to like younger theater makers about like, just kind of about how you think we should be going about, going about those kinds of things respectfully or just like certain practices you think that could be put in place? I mean, I think what Michael did with his, um, with his group at school was, was great. Like reaching out to, um, organizers in your community who are active in, in issues and making sure that they have a voice in whatever you're producing, um, especially as like a, because I think theater is like an educational tool, um, like what we were saying before. And I think what Michael did was was great and like reach, yeah, I think reaching out to organizations, um, maybe if it's like, a, if it's a locally, if, if maybe it's just with students, you know, reaching out, if, if you wanted to do a piece about gun violence, you can always reach out to Students Demand Action um, and see if it's trauma informed and making sure that your language is correct. Um, you're giving people information that they need to, um, if they wanna learn more or help themselves, um, then they know where to go. So I think what Michael did was a great example of what to do. No, yeah, it's exactly what you're saying. I mean, you, you have to educate people. Like that's all that it is. You have to educate people and you have to like get these voices heard, you know? Like you have to hear it like from these people. Like, like yeah, we brought in someone who, um, who like works with like mental illness and we brought them in to talk to people and like let people know that this is something that we have to address. Yeah, I love that. I love that question of like, who are, who are you doing this for? Like when you're telling a story, like who is it for? And I think so much of the time, I remember we talked about this a little bit on last week's episode and Izzy was talking about accessibility with theater and like talking about how we, I mean, as an industry, we'll write about these marginalized groups, but then they're not the ones who get to see it. And she was talking about bringing it to prisons. And like, if you're going to talk about the prison system, like you bring it to a prison or you want to bring it on an education level, because that's really what it is. And it's like, if you want to just do like an entertainment industry and you want that to be theater, I mean, where are we going to grow? How is that a growth opportunity? And I think our generation is really trying to, at least our generation of theater makers is really trying to shift away from that idea of like, this is entertainment, this is fun. Oh yes, like that idea of like anything goes. And I think, and I just, I mean, I wanna know like what's something about the actual industry itself that you guys want to see change be as a result of our generation? Like when we're, what is something that you guys wanna do? Well, I think what's been great to see is, um, and I think UCLA, the theater department really talks about this, is like creating your own content. And I, that's something that I've been like so 
scared about or never really thought it could happen. But I think that's something that our generation is doing. And, um, and it's even like with TikTok and YouTube, I think if we create our own content that, you know, these, uh, these services are, you know, somewhat accessible. Um, so I think that's a great way to start with just creating your own content and putting it out there. Um, I, I think that's something that I'm really excited to see more and it seems like our class is really innovative yeah. which is really Can we talk about that our class <laughs> just like is putting out like we are in the middle of a, of a pandemic but class in 2024 is putting out work after work after work and it's yeah. just so amazing to see oh it's yeah it's really inspiring Brent, um, your song oh, is yeah. so good by the way i i yeah like everyone yeah Trent, if you're listening good shit <laughs> but I was listening I was like scrolling through that I was like this slaps like <laughs> so if you guys are listening that rocked I mean kind of like just like what Juliana was saying I mean we are like a very like proactive kind of generation and especially like our class like we were we were just about to like step into like adulthood as everything crashed and burned and so that gives us a lot of perspective you know like we got to see within like how everything was supposed to work and how everything has been working and we got to see why none of this works we got to watch and and, and see all the problems with our government and our country and okay yeah. i'm gonna say this and we can talk about this because it's a very controversial idea but i think that donald trump <laughs> is the reason why we're also politically engaged yes exactly exactly it's it's kind of like we kind of and it's it's such a weird way to look at it and it's kind of like a fucked up way to think about it but he brought this to light you know like it's sad that none of us really noticed that 50 percent of the country is that friggin' stupid like we just that's not something that we realized and that's sad you know i no, I completely get that because it's like until the shit hit the fan, nobody got it. And it's like, what a horrible, horrible thing because we talked about it today in our directing class and it's about complacency. Nobody went out in the 2016 election to go vote and look what happened. When we get to a place where the audiences are complacent and are sitting and are just okay with all the stories that are being told and all the things that are going on in the world, we get to that point where the status quo is absolute garbage. I think it even stems before Donald Trump. I think everybody was just so quiet about it. And then Donald Trump became the voice for all these people. And, and I think that's when we were like, oh, this is like in our face now. And I think that's something that's scary to think about and I know we I mean we were all so young um that I mean I got involved when I was like 15 um so I don't know how old you were Michael but like you know we were so young and I don't think we actually understood and now that we're 18 and like what Mike was saying it's like we're going into like a new chapter in our lives when this world is just I mean we don't even know what to expect anymore every day so like I think um, it's making sure, like what Nick said, like not to be complacent and make sure that you're listening and you're aware of what's going on so we don't and you're learning mistakes. Exactly. And what a, like what an amazing change to go through in just a matter of three years. But then it's like, how much shit did you have to go through for that change to happen in three years? So it's like, like what a thing to think about. 
because like like as amazing and as revolutionary and as ongoing as the Gen Z or whatever or our classes like you also have to take that with the fact that like the only reason that we got here is because it's like we were born after 9-11 and then we had to suffer for, through four years of Donald Trump's presidency and then the 2018 like financial 2008 financial crisis and like we've just constantly gone through shit in life no now a pandemic and like th so many things have been taken away from us um yeah it's it's been hard. And, and that doesn't even, we don't even talk about like personal things that are going on. Every right, those are, those are universal, day. like, like societal yeah. issues. Yeah. Or just like, yeah, because I mean, let's say, like, I remember, I remember talking about this with my mom. I had like a whole talk. I was like, when you were 18, like, what was life like for you? Because I turned 18 during a pandemic and I'm probably going to turn 19 and it'll still be a pandemic. And, you know, I just wonder, like, I'm like, what was it like for you to like have a first semester of college? Because like genuinely we will never get this time back. Like this four years of like constant like tension in your shoulders is like, we're never gonna get that back. There is permanent damage on my neck that I will never be able to undo. Like, you know what I mean? And it's just like, I don't know where I'm going and with that. But yeah, I, I hate to, to talk. It. Like, I, I just hate to bring it up because it's like we all know it. Like, we're we don't like being on Zoom. We'd rather be with each other, and it sucks. Yeah. And I don't like talking about it. But it 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 just my God, I did not think that the summer after like senior year I was going to spend with my parents. Like, I didn't it, like locked up in my room. I did not. Who did? did not expect oh I no no no. It's this sounds so bad. And like, uh, not not to shade my parents. I love yeah. you, mom. I know you listen to this. Since eighth grade, I have been counting down the days yes. I was going to leave. I was like, these are like, there, there's a time and it is my graduation and that's when I get to go. And it's like, it's going to be over and it's going to be fine. And it's going to be great. And then it didn't happen. And I just stayed with my parents for how many more months? And like the fights that we had in those months is like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I was just going to, I'm, I'm happy that you, you brought that up and are so open about like, it's been hard. You know, I think with everybody stuck together and I think tensions are just rising and um, I think maybe in almost everyone's household and I think it's it's been a really difficult time and I just cannot wait to like give somebody a hug like I miss just giving somebody a hug um, and I, I hope I never take an experience with a friend for granted ever again and then it's just like just it's so insane because theater is that place where it's like everything to me when I'm in a show it's like that is my family like for those like those weeks and months that we're working together like I'm the absolute closest with those people and it's like we have like such good connections with each other like because you have to in order to be a creative with somebody else like you have to be able to have genuine open conversations so to have those genuine open conversations be taken away like so forcefully and so abruptly is just such a horrible thing that birthed this podcast <laughs> and I mean I mean we've been talking so much about like what we wish to do and like what we like I don't know like what we want to do like in the future but we uh, definitely something that I think we've all realized this year is that yeah nothing's like we can't take anything for granted and we really like I'm so much more appreciative for everything I'm like I'm having like I'm like yeah I'm locked in like a house with my parents but like at least I have a good relationship with them, you know, like all of these kinds of things that you don't think about that you should. And I mean, yeah, we like, we lost prom and we lost like all these things that we really wanted, but at least like, like it could be so much harder. And so you have to like really be grateful for what you have. Sounds like it's time for Curtain Call. It's everybody's favorite director, Nico Castro. And I'm everyone's favorite New Yorker, Zoe Berkeley. I'm the palest South Floridian, Michael Garashi. And I'm the Taylor Swift-loving Miami girl, Juliana Simone.
Thank you so much to our amazing guests for this wonderful conversation. And thank you so much to our listeners. See you guys next week.